Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome to the Engadget Podcast. This is the end of a five-week limited run we've done, sponsored by Verizon Wireless, but I will point out right here at the top, Verizon is our parent company, but they have no editorial control over Engadget, which means they can't tell us what to do or say. So we're going to do basically whatever we want, both on this podcast and on our website. So thank you for listening. I'm Chris Velasco, Senior Mobile Editor, joined this week as always by... Hi, good morning. I am Dana Wallman. And Dana, I think we finally got to a point in the year where we can have a podcast conversation and just not talk about Apple at all. Oh, thank God. Yes. Oh, sweet freedom. So let's talk about some other um, little-known startup called Amazon. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you. Yeah, they're they're flying pretty well under the radar. Uh, they sell mostly books and and cereal, I think, sort of grocery goods. Getting into electronics have a really limited, targeted, focused product range. I would say. Yeah, no, you. I would be hard pressed to imagine Amazon releasing more than one actual physical device every four or five years. Yeah. Except no, because they've done the exact opposite of that. Uh, Amazon recently had kind of a surprise event on the books. I think the news was actually embargoed, right? Right. So obviously we knew the event was happening, but it it wasn't your typical affair with lots of showmanship. This wasn't like an Apple keynote where CEO shows up, uh, lots of people get on and off the stage, no musical acts like at a Samsung event. This was Amazon inviting reporters to its Seattle headquarters and... um, Basically, it began this presentation for them, and half an hour later, all the news dropped and just a whole bunch of press releases that crossed the <laughs> wire. And I don't think we are really exaggerating when we say that Amazon announced all the things. No, it's – it's well, okay. So I, they, they didn't announce all the things because it's one thing I was hoping they would talk about that they just didn't. But it would have been completely out of place here anyway. But they did announce – a bunch of new Echoes, and a bunch of new sort of accessories for those Echoes, a few of which, personally, I I find completely baffling. Instead of talking about it in the order in which they were announced, let's go from, like, obvious to ending with the weirdest stuff that they came up with. Yes. Okay. So, starting at the top, uh, the Echo Plus is sort of the flagship Echo device, uh, although it does look exactly like the old original Echo. Right. So this is a little confusing, but bear with us. There are two new Echoes. One is just called the Echo, and that is the second generation Echo. It looks different from the one you're used to. In fact, it now, in my opinion, 
more resembles Google Home, at least the the cloth covered model. Yeah, that is that is true. And so Google has an event sort of on the books for next week where they're supposed to announce sort of smaller versions of the Google Home that are a bit more fashion forward. So with them and Amazon sort of moving in this very home decor friendly direction, it was kind of obvious. I, I think it's important to kind of build these things in a way that you don't feel weird for having them displayed prominently in your home. But yeah, the Echo looks pretty good. I, I could definitely get down on one of these on a bookshelf or something. Well, um, that's a good option. And then there is, bear with us, guys, there's the Echo Plus, um, which is, as Chris said, the flagship model. The only thing is it does look like last year's model. Which, fine. Yeah. Like, okay. It, it does, I will point out, come in uh, the original black and white, which I think was an option for the first Echo as well. And this nice sort of gunmetally silver. So if you if you live in a chrome wonderland, if that's the home you've chosen to build for yourself, you finally It'll have... It'll go with the stainless steel appliances. Exactly. You finally have an kitchen. Echo to kind of fit in your brutalist home. So what makes this a more expensive flagship model? So it uses Zigbee. It is very much a smart home hub in addition to just being the kind of device you can talk to and ask really dumb questions to. So uh, what's really cool about this thing, I think, is that if you purchase an Echo Plus, you do get a free Philips Hue light bulb. So... Sort of irrespective of the hardware itself, you're seeing Amazon take a really strong position and saying, hey, smart homes are going to be a thing. A lot of you probably haven't jumped on the bandwagon yet. I myself am only a fairly recent convert. Here's here's a bulb. Put this in like your favorite lamp and start talking to it and see how that sort of expands your perception of what Alexa is and can be. To me, this is Amazon finishing off 2017 almost coming full circle because we began the year at CES where everywhere we looked. We saw a third-party device with Alexa built in. Right. So now there really is this robust ecosystem of Alexa-enabled everything, basically, from fridges to smart speakers um, to cars, all sorts of other things I'm not mentioning here. (laughs) And um, so it does make sense for Amazon to go back to where it started and have this Echo speaker that also doubles as a connecting hub for all that other stuff. This is supposed to be a very good-sounding speaker as well. So we ran a story quite a while ago that sort of intimated that the next generation Echo would be more of an audio-focused device. And I think both of these versions of the Echo have some level of Dolby support. So they do, they should sound better than what we're used to. We, you and I, did not get a chance to listen to these things, but literally anything is better than what we got in the first place. Right. And not to um, digress into Apple too much, because yes, we are sick of talking about Apple. But... Um, A few months ago at WWDC, when the HomePod was first announced, you and I got an early peek at it in action. And Apple's big story then was that, sure, there are a lot of smart speakers on the market, but most of them suck at music playback. And that wasn't news to Amazon. I'm sure that by that point, too, Amazon was already far along in developing these new Echo products. But It couldn't have been lost on Amazon, all this criticism from a lot of corners that the audio quality wasn't especially great on the Echo. Right. Um, So it it was smart of Amazon to take that feedback into account, especially with newcomers on the horizon like the HomePod that were more purpose-built for music. Right. And it's easy to kind of look at Apple's decision to make the HomePod, and I hate that we're talking about them again, but it's easy to look at their decision to make this and sort of focus it in one very specific direction as as smart, and I think that's generally true, but I mean, realistically speaking, sound has got to be one of the easier things to improve in a device like this, right? If you've got something in your home, I don't think it necessarily, like, I, I don't mind my little smart home Pringles can being a little bigger if it means I get better sound, like, 
you're not going to see a lot of pushback if a thing that sits on your counter is a couple centimeters wider in diameter than it was last year. And I don't think that's actually the case here, but I think it kind of speaks to the point where Apple's focus on music was smart, but I don't think it's going to give them any real advantages in this case. The HomePod more than ever seems like a real head scratcher to me. Yeah. And you know, it's, Again, it'll be interesting to see next week what Google has to offer. And also on that same day as the Google event, Sonos is having an event. Oh, So who knows golly. what kind of connected, voice-controlled, improved audio quality speakers they're going to have. Oh, we're just, we're headed right back into the thick of it, aren't we? Right. So I think right now we're in a position to somewhat critique what Amazon is doing, but it's a little hard to do in a vacuum with all of these other products expected to be announced, even in the coming week. Yeah, I the full core press for Alexa kind of has been ramping up all year, but to see Amazon kind of go balls to the wall and go so hard with these devices, they're gunning for it. Like, they want Alexa to be the thing. They want Alexa to be everywhere. They've done a pretty good job of it so far. And I think it's also worth pointing out that the, the sort of cheaper Echo, uh, you're able to get in a three-pack now because it supports multi-room audio, which is a thing... Echo users have been clamoring for for a really long time now. You're not you're now able to use them in this sort of Sonos like configuration. Mm. So they might not necessarily sound as good, but you're getting extra functionality on top of that with sound that presumably doesn't suck. Yeah. So what else did they unveil? So on the weird spectrum, I think we're now in the middle of the spectrum. I would focus on the Echo Spot. Yes. So tell us a bit more about that. What's what's going on with this guy? So the spot, not to be confused with the button, um, there were a lot of sort of cute, silly named Amazon products announced this week. Um, the spot is basically a bedside alarm clock. It's this tiny little echo device with a tiny little screen. And you can use that screen, let's say, for video calls and such. You probably wouldn't want to use it for watching a whole movie, but who knows? Um Really based on the idea that some people are going to want to use a device like this in their bedroom and maybe even from their bed without getting up. Which I think is a pretty fair assumption to make. But what really kind of rubs me the wrong way about this is that it has a camera. Like, sure, they, they've said you could put it in like a baby's room and use it as like a like a baby monitor in addition to kind of using it for lyrics and kind of ordering things from Amazon. But I don't want a camera pointed at me the moment I roll out of bed and look over at the time. This has been a complaint or at least a concern that people have raised about um, a few recent Amazon products, too. We should say this isn't the first Amazon Echo branded product to have a camera built in. There was the Echo Show and the Echo Look. The Echo Look, which, by the way, if you're not familiar, was specifically designed to be a little judgy about the things that you wear. Right. You upload photos of your outfit of the day, maybe two <laughs> options, and it tells you which one it likes better. Let's try that again because of this guy. So just to be clear, if you have not heard of it, the Echo uh, look it is, basically is it a device designed to be a little judgy about the things that you wear? Right. Specifically, you would upload a photo or two of your outfits that you were considering, and it would use, um, largely depend on artificial intelligence to determine which was the better outfit <laughs> i god i've never i've never i basically wear the same thing every day which is some some black thing and some white thing and now i'm wearing a purple thing so i'm like branching out of my comfort zone a little bit 
You experiment mostly with your sneakers, which maybe Amazon would have opinions on that. Well, thank you, Amazon. But I've got a guy who sits next to me at the office named Edgar who's very good at this. Bit of a sneakerhead. <laughs> but but back to the Echo Spot. To your point, I think, yes, This fair to point out, this is not the first uh, Echo device with a camera in it. But it's the first Echo device with a camera in it that doesn't serve a very specific purpose, right? So the big thing with the Echo Show is, hey, you can video chat like your grandpa across the country. And with Echo Look, yes, you can give it a glimpse of what you're wearing to kind of get a sense of style trends and sort of how what you're wearing stacks up versus prevailing notions of fashion. But but what is what is the actual value in, in this? Like, yeah, you could feasibly take a video call from your bed, but... Like, no thanks. Like, I don't want that anywhere near me. And bear in mind, I'm a person who has a phone next to his bed all the time anyway. So there is a camera there, but I don't, I'm not afraid it's ever actually going to start recording. Right. I mean, I think you and I were both with Amazon, at least with the Echo and Echo Plus. But I think we're already at the part of the presentation where they're starting to lose us a little bit Mm -hmm. um, because we're starting to face some confusing questions on which Echo is right for whom. Yeah. There, there is no clear line, and I think that's partially Amazon's intent. I think they're trying to build a scenario in which every Echo kind of works for everybody. You could feasibly build a household with an Echo Plus and an Echo and like an Echo Spot in the bedroom. And by going after this whole house approach, you're, you're building a scenario in which Amazon kind of gets its tenor hooks into you in a way that couldn't really before with its like trio of Echo devices. It's a little scary now, but god damn is it going to be effective for these people. And the thing is, we are not even done going through the nope. lineup of new devices nope. announced this week. What would you say is next on the weird spectrum? Man, I, I, I'm tempted to go back into the rational side of things a bit and talk very briefly about uh, the new Fire TV, which is a dongle We forgot the in. Fire TV. Okay, so that that is way further up the... This, is a, this is a thing people will actually want, and for good reason. Yes, okay, that is about as obvious and rational as a new Echo is. Yeah, it's a square-shaped dongle that sort of connects to a, your... A Chromecast-style dongle. Exactly. Yeah. That connects to your television via HDMI. It now supports 4K HDR, which is great. I think Amazon has also recently dropped the price of its 4K content to sort of match what Apple has done in its own Everyone's going to have to do that. Yeah, we've, we've already seen that happening, and like, frankly, awesome, like thanks Apple I guess I hate saying that but like thank you very much for making everyone else give us cheaper things uh, does also support things uh, does also support uh, stuff running at 60 frames per second which is nice Dolby Atmos integration and the Alexa voice remote which is I've I used it rarely it seemed fine I, I kind of prefer it over Siri but I kind of prefer most voice interfaces over Siri at this point unless we're talking about the watch okay but uh, yeah, it's a very rational update. It's It'll do fine. Enjoy it, people. It launches, I believe, October 25th. But now let's take a swing back into the weird the stuff. The fun stuff, yeah. Would you say this last thing is fun? Like it's it's designed to be fun and used Second for... to last thing. Second to last thing. There are two weird oh, things God. left. Oh, God. That's right. Well, where do you want to go? Take, take the reins. All right. I would say the second to weirdest thing. It is the Echo Connect, and it's basically a smart speakerphone for your landline, allowing you to interact with your traditional landline phone in a hands-free sort of way. Yes, sure, Amazon. Thank you, because we all still have landlines. I mean, I will say that at least in the office where I have a desk line. Um, and do I, you? I, oh, you do. And You're I screen, like the only one. And I screen my calls. I mean, I've always wanted a kind of 
desk phone at the office where if I'm screening calls, say, I can just say, Alexa, no. And it <laughs> silences the ringing. But in the home, and I, I'm pretty sure this was meant for the home, I'm wondering who sits at the center of that Venn diagram of people who are keen to spend money on some new tech and experiment with new tech and people who at the same time um, still have a landline. I realize that I'm speaking from a, a millennial perspective. Yeah, and many was, of us, mm-hmm. you and I do not have landlines. So I don't want to um, underestimate the market, but that is a kind of funny Venn diagram. Yeah, I personally don't get it myself, but it's not even because I have sort of an intrinsic dislike of landline phones anymore. It's it's mostly that, like, I could see this being very valuable. Like, Amazon not too long ago rolled out a feature where you can sort of make voice calls and send messages to other people with Alexa-powered devices, which was sort of cool, but never really worked the way that I would want it to because I can't tell who has an Alexa and who doesn't sort of in my life. This obviously removes that barrier and sort of builds Alexa into a very sort of obvious place for people who don't really have a ton of experience with smart home, but kind of want a more concrete, valuable feature. I wonder why they didn't just try and build something like this into an Echo. Like that to me seems like the perfect device for someone who'd like to get started with smart home or at least is just interested and doesn't want to spend a ton of money, but still have one situation where if nothing else, it's a speakerphone and that's useful. I don't know if I'll ever use it to control my lights, but I can use it to call grandma. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that be the way they go in the future. I think basically right now, I mean, it's a $35 black plastic box. So I think they're just, throwing it out there to kind of see where this goes. If people want it, great. They'll be able to kind of iterate in future Alexa devices and maybe kind of integrate them more tightly going forward. But yeah, I think we're basically just looking at a cheapo experiment kind of out there in the wild. Right. And so before we get to our absolute weirdest Amazon device of the week or the year or the century, um, I guess I would say, and I don't even think Amazon would disagree with this, but I take some of their sales pitches for these new products with a grain of salt because I don't believe each and every one of them will still be around in a second generation form a year from now. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if Amazon believes that because Amazon has a long history of being comfortable with just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, to see what the market is interested in and what people want. Yeah. Let's be clear. Amazon has failed in hardware a lot. So Amazon can sell up the Echo Connect as much as it wants. And we can hear that that sales pitch, but um, Amazon itself might not be sure if that's what people want or if that's the right pitch. On that note of uncertainty, we're going to take a quick break. Stick around for more Amazon. We're going to come back with their weirdest announcement of the week and maybe some Twitter stuff because everyone has Twitter thoughts, right? It's that time of year again. The iPhone you've really, really been waiting for is now available on the nation's largest, most reliable 4G LTE network. Head over to your nearest Verizon Wireless store or order online today. Okay, we're back. This is the Engadget Podcast. I am Chris Velasco. Hello, I am Dana Wallman. And we're going to dive into the weirdest thing, possibly the dumbest thing, Amazon unveiled this week. All right. The Echo Button. It's, it's a button. It's a button. It is this wireless buzzer meant specifically to buzz in during trivia games and other group activities. What? I think most, what? definitely the most, would you say the most surprising thing this week? And would yeah. you, I, the, why? 
What? Why? And I would add possibly what? the weirdest gadget I have seen or read about this whole year. And that, that's saying a lot. First off, I mean, like, unless they up their trivia game real good, real fast. Like, no, I would rather spend $20 on literally any other thing. There is a company that makes watch dots, which are little stickers you put on your Apple Watch's digital crown to change the color. And I would rather buy two packs of those and then throw them in the trash than buy Amazon buttons. What the hell? What I find curious is that Amazon is framing these as possible stocking stuffers. And I'm just I'm wondering how you would feel if you opened up your stocking and found this weird buzzer thing inside. I would inside. run away from home. So that would be a lump of coal for you. I mean, basically. So here's here's the thing. If if Amazon cooks up a way in the future for these buttons to do anything else, like for example, give you the the capability to turn this button into a dash button and smack one whenever you need more toilet paper. Sure, fine. Like, but maybe lead with that. Maybe don't maybe don't develop a device and say, "Oh yeah, hey guys, trivia guys, got you covered. $20, hit a button. You buzz in, get that question right. Great. Live your life." What I I I'm getting upset thinking about this. I'm not upset, but I guess I'm puzzled. I'm used to understanding companies' bigger picture strategies, and I'm I'm um, unclear on where the button fits into everything else that was announced this week. It's very possible that you and I are just super, super out of touch, and the trivia stuff on Alexa is the thing of the year. That's possible. I don't think that's true, but I you know it's not. I I, I could see that happening in some dark alternate future that has come to pass. Basically, uh, we are robots and we can't compute and Alexa broke us. Amazon broke us. I will say this. If they come out with like a legitimate full version of Trivial Pursuit for Alexa. Yeah. Okay. I might be in. Like I might might buy this. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is the kind of thing I could write a 280 character screed about on Twitter now, except I can't because I don't have that. And except please don't because um, so far the 280 character updates I've seen in my Twitter feed um, have been a little hard to digest. Everyone's being a little extra with this stuff. So the few people who did... So let's back up a little bit. Twitter has rolled this feature out to certain users as a test to see what will happen if you can now publish double-length tweets on Twitter. And if what we're seeing now is any indication, just pull the plug on it. There's no good coming out of this feature. There, are, there have been some funny jokes. Um, I think, what did I see someone tweeting out Line by line, all of the lyrics to the chorus of a Smash Mouth song, maybe. That's kind of funny, depending on who you are. Maybe. Did you find that funny? But so they're all meta jokes. I think. I think it's good as a limited thing. 280 character tweets are good for meta jokes about Twitter not understanding its own product or strategy. I don't think it's great as a permanent experience, in part because um, I think that. Making your tweets brief to fit 140 characters was always that challenge was always part of the fun and beauty of using Twitter. Right. You could have tweet storms, too. And I'm sure people have different opinions on that. But I would sooner have had Twitter roll out a feature for tweet storms than for just simply longer tweets that don't even look good, that take up more space on the timeline, especially on a smaller mobile device. Yeah. Especially if you're the kind of person who goes out there and like, puts a word on each line, which is honestly like half of the 280 character tweets I've seen so far. One of the biggest offenders that I've seen actually within the past day is our parent company, Verizon, who tweeted this ridiculously long, dumb callback to some new program they've got going on. And I don't care 
and you look like jerks doing it, please stop. I think that had Twitter gone into this with the assumption that people can't have nice things, it would have maybe had a different set of priorities. It would have assumed that people would be jerks about the 280 characters. And maybe then Twitter would focus on some other areas where people have actually been demanding Twitter make changes. Like, exactly. Like how far up the list of priorities could this actually have been? Like I, it, I don't think it cracks top five. It's it's just sort of it's strange to imagine how Twitter arrived at this decision. It's like people have been asking for improved harass anti harassment tools and harassment reporting tools, um, and just to generally feel safer using the site. Okay, we heard your feedback. We're going to give you two hundred eighty character tweets. Exactly. You guys have been asking for the ability to edit your tweets for the longest time. Eh, maybe just make your tweets longer. Yeah. Like the. I, I, this is making me upset in a level that isn't quite echo button, but still pretty up there. Like, I don't know. I like brevity is the soul of wit, like all of that. Sure. Fine. And I get it. I just, no one is using this. I wouldn't even say properly. Like no one's using it intelligently. No one's using it humorously in a way that I think works well at all. Like I just, People are just being idiots with it, which mm-hmm. I guess is Twitter in a nutshell. Like, you, you guys are idiots. Like, here, enjoy. Yell at each other more. At least to end on a happier note, I want to make a shout out to Instagram, which um, did finally, and I would say belatedly, address some user feedback this week and made it, ad- added some comment controls so that, for instance, only people who you follow can comment on your pictures, which... I think was a no-brainer, and it's something I actually demanded in a post, in an editorial on Engadget over a year ago. So it was an obvious move that that was overdue, but at least that is an example of a social network, maybe belatedly, but at least responding to specific user feedback about things that would make them feel safer using the site. And as a result of this change, finally, I did go back to having a public account because the issue for me was I just was sick of mean strangers leaving comments on my posts and me having to take an all or nothing approach where either I allowed no one to comment on my photos or everyone. Do you feel like you had to take a similar approach with Twitter? Like, I don't know. I, I obviously don't know what your experience is like kind of generally, but how is your sort of in a Instagram social experience kind of differed from Twitter? Do you have to be more guarded about what you tweet or? I think certainly uh, my personality, not my personality, but maybe my choice of content is different for Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think it's it's not just about privacy controls, but also about what each audience expects to find from me. I don't think my, I think my Twitter audience knows me as a tech writer and doesn't expect me to tweet as much about cooking as I post about on Instagram, where it's actually a lot of cooking photos. Which they're lots. Because yeah. those photos look delicious. Thank you, boo. <laughs> um, have some cookies. But those are upstairs, I assume. No, God, there are no cookies. I'm it. sorry. But yeah, so Instagram, I, I fortunately, and compared to other journalists out there, I don't receive as much trolling. The trolling I received um, used to be more frequent when I wrote more reviews. To be honest with you, <laughs> and then a few, a few yep. other. Oh, are, are your mentions a mess? No. Well, I don't tweet. I'm uh, So I, I feel very silly kind of getting upset over Twitter sometimes because I am the kind of person who just chooses not to engage like 95% of the time. I, I've tweeted maybe like 8,000 times in like the entirety of my Twitter career, which is like 10 years long at this point. So 
I I don't put anything out there. I get relatively little back, but I don't know. It's it's just like the balance I've struck for myself, and it seems to work. I'll j- I'd rather just like sit back and consume and watch mm-hmm. people get upset and like masturbatory about things. I don't know. In their two hundred eighty character tweets. Yep. It's perfect. So Everyone's you don't just like... going to have this much more of an opportunity to prove how big of a jag off you so are. There, there, there everyone has it. You don't like 280 character tweets, but you like the spectacle of it. I'm just an old man, okay? I'm just an old 29-year-old man who hates when people have fun and communicate and make friends and they just can't. But no, I, I'm curious to see where this goes. I, I think it could work well. I think once we all just sort of like stop talking about it and just kind of get on with our new longer tweet future things should hopefully get better and people will be able to use this new format for novel purposes that are fun and interesting basically guys if you're listening at twitter we don't like it but please do roll it out to dana wallman on twitter and chris velasco to on twitter. all all but maybe one twitter user who i will not name in this moment for uh hey, donald trump yeah just don't give it to him Anyway, this has been the final episode of the Engadget Podcast. It's never coming back, except it might. We don't know. Yeah, we'd like to see you soon, and we'd like to hear from you. Yeah, so I am at Chris Velasco on Twitter. If you have, if you have 280 character tweets, please, please just harass me. Just, just like ruin my mentions with your super long tweets. And I am at Dana Wallman on Twitter. I tweet about tech sometimes, and also not about tech sometimes. Sometimes food. And sometimes when I, like, drop food on your desk and then walk away. Um, I like food, guys. <laughs> hey, this so this is the end of our five-week run. I just want to take a moment to say it's been a lot of fun bringing this to you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to all of our nonsense as much as we've enjoyed creating it for you. We'd love to kind of keep the podcast going, and we're going to take a little bit of time to figure out how we want that to happen. Maybe we'll play with the format. Maybe we'll just sort of hang out with each other again. If you have thoughts, obviously let us know. But in the meantime, we're going dark for a bit. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. 